0: Um, you can turn to First John chapter five, so it was interesting because today, starting this morning, uh people started just you know message after message, not going to be there out of town, sick, this, that, everything else. so we're missing quite a few people tonight and um but and I even thought, I thought, well, Lord, do you even want us to have a service? It's very cold, everybody's tired you know i don't, I don't mind calling something off if you want it, you know. And uh, the answer I got was absolutely not, and the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, and matter of fact, the answer I got back from him was, it's going to be a good night, and uh, so I'm really looking forward to it. I didn't know it would start off like that, but. It. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh live That's life. nice. She said she got a message from live stream saying they liked her and her jokes and so anyway, you know, it I will say this, it's not good to try and prove your own fleshly positions with scripture. That's not generally a good idea. Everybody here knew she was joking, but I just thought I'd point that out. So um trying to bust some scripture out on her fleshliness, wanting to get back at me. So all right, that's okay though. Um, in love, here we go, First John. So we've been talking about First um, John for a while. First John chapters one, two, three, four, and now we are in five. Uh, definitely went over something incredibly important last week in the first five verses of First John chapter five. And that is, why is Jesus important? And the, the answer to that is, everything, every bit of power, life, Everything that God has for you came through Jesus and comes through Jesus. And the devil is constantly trying to steal Jesus away and out of your life. He's trying to steal him out of your prayers. He's trying to steal him out of your thoughts. And uh, Jesus is what it's all about. And you know, the devil knows what he's doing. He knows how to do that. So if you didn't see that and you don't have kind of revelation about what I'm talking about, make sure to go back to last week's and watch First John five. I think it's Part A. Um, I think this is Part B. So anyway, we uh, finished up in First John chapter five, verse five. And uh, you know, just as a reminder, the whole book, John said in the first four verses, was that they experienced God very real, and they are he is writing these things now when John says the apostle John says, We experienced him very real, that's about as real as it gets, and they are experiencing him now is what he was saying now this is after Jesus has departed. And he said, I'm writing everything in this book, in this letter that he was writing, I'm writing so that you can experience God in the same way that he is experiencing God and has experienced God. So he's saying the reality with which I experience Jesus, the life of the Father, the love of the Father, I'm writing these things so that you can experience him the same way. Just like basically what he's saying in context is, just like when Jesus was here with us on the Earth, you can walk a life that lives like that. Well, that's pretty awesome because I mean I wasn't around two thousand years ago when Jesus was here on the earth, but I sure would have liked to have hung out with him or have him come hang out with me like that now. and what's John's saying is this is you can walk with God in a place where you experience Him in that level of reality well. That's an incredible promise, and that's what we've seen. He goes through all the chapters, uh, has talked about the difference between being there and not being there, all pushing towards, we want you to experience God. Uh, and so here, here's a good question to ask yourself. Do you feel like you're experiencing, not, not now, let's make it in the past, do you feel like up to this point in your life, you have experienced God in that level? And I'd say no. I'd say it's getting better and better. It's growing all the time. But it definitely, if we're going to be real honest with ourselves, which we're supposed to be according to the word, then I can go further into God. There's no doubt about that. My my experience with him should be stronger. And we're going to see a, a piece of that uh, tonight as well. So all of us have probably not experienced God in that form, in that fashion, in that reality. But man, does he want us to. God wants us to live life with him and be overflowing in his kind of life. And so that's what 1 John was all about. Now, let's go to verse 5, 1 John 5, 5. And it says this, Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, so it's saying, who's the one who overcomes? The one who believes Jesus. All right, So we are overcomers. We overcome through our faith, our faith in Christ. We overcome. Jesus is always feeding into you, Ephesians 1, 3, that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Jesus is always feeding into you, the answers, and the promises that you need in your life to overcome. And when you're a child of God and you believe in Christ, you're believing that he is the anointed one and he is the anointing for you, for your life, then you're constantly believing that his promises are manifesting and they're a reality in your life. And you have that uh, promise. Hello, there we go. So, you're believing in God that uh you're believing in God. I I lost my train of thought there. All, all the power went out on the mic. Yeah, you're believing in God that whatever I need, no matter where I'm at, his promises are going to be there for you. So I can step from point A to point B having no idea what's over there, uh, what kind of problems are there, or what I'm going to need. It's kind of like if you're playing golf, and let's say you're hitting from the tee, you're hitting a driver. But by the time you get up to the putting green, you don't need the driver anymore. You need a putter right? All right, good. So you don't you don't need an iron. You don't need a wedge. If you're on the green, you need a putter. So I don't know what club I'm going to need in this, in this game called life. I don't know what club I'm going to need to pull out of the bag, but I can be confident whenever I get to any place that I need something in Christ, I have the fullness of life. I have the promises of life, and when I get there, I will have exactly what I need. Does that make sense? All right, Hello? Oops, don't do that. Okay, so in verse 6 it says this, and this is some very interesting scriptures. I think a lot of people, there's a confusion. Matter of fact, when I was reading some on this verse, I think I saw up to six different explanations for this next verse, and these are scholars and, and You know, people that were making commentaries on this. There's so many different beliefs. I think that it's pretty plain. There we go. Try not to. Is this back on there? Hello. I don't know. Just. We'll leave it just leave this one on and if you get it and you think it's then I'll drop just point at me and I'll I'll drop the mic okay if you think it's good keep working on it if you think it's good point at me and I'll try it um so there were a bunch of different opinions and commentaries based off of this. There was a whole bunch of different things uh, on this next verse, but I think in context, it's pretty clear, and I'll give you the pieces of that. This is the one talking about Jesus who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with water only, but with water and with the blood. For it is is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is, Is the truth. For there are three that testify, verse 8, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And there are three in agreement. Now, if you're in the King James, you'll notice that verse 7 uh, includes some other text. I'm going to get to that in just a second. Uh, in the New American Standard, it doesn't. In most of your modern translations, it doesn't. I'm going to explain why, because in the King James, it says something about uh, in heaven, there's three that testify, uh, the Spirit, the Word, and the Father. Okay, So we'll talk about that in just a second. Let's look at verse 6 first. Verse 6 says this, this is the one, this is Jesus who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and with the blood. It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. In the New Living, it says this, and Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by his baptism in water and by shedding his blood on the cross, not by water only, but by water and blood, and the Spirit who is truth confirms it with His testimony. Now, so what you're looking at that already starts to share, shed some light on that. Let me read this to you in the message as well. Jesus, the divine Christ, He experienced a life-giving birth and a death-killing death not only birth from the womb but baptismal birth of his ministry and sacrificial death and all the while the spirit is confirming the truth the reality of god's presence at jesus baptism and crucifixion bringing those occasions alive for us okay now what it's saying here is this is that all right first of all we have a physical testimony of Jesus. You know, every record of the Bible that survives today, every manuscript, script, every translation, it's literally a historical document talking about Jesus. Okay? And so we have historical proof that Jesus was alive. Well, that's awesome. We need that historical proof. You know, most, I've talked about this before, most historical documents are based on two or three witnesses. If they can find two or three witnesses that some something happened in history they'll write it in history books but it's the funny thing when you start talking about Jesus they don't, don't want to take thousands of translations of the bible and say it's it's history so uh but it is it is exactly that it's a historical record as much as it is inspired by god and so we have the historical records of what Jesus has has done and that the fact that he's been here we have the historical record in that that he died as well now, what's also interesting is this. Uh you have, I would like to say it like this, um, you have a testimony of Christ to his righteousness. All right, because the word says, Remember when Jesus went to go get baptized? Uh and and John said, Hey, you need to be baptizing me, not me baptizing you, right? So he was saying uh, you know, I recognize who just came to me for baptism. You're greater than I. I need, and Jesus said this. He said that all things should be fulfilled, that all righteousness should be fulfilled. I need to be baptized. So I think one of the things that happens is Jesus was not only testified that he was here physically and born of the womb or born of water, but he's also, he had this testimony, the testimony that I will fulfill all righteousness. I will fulfill it. I will fulfill everything that the law requires. I will fulfill everything that the Father asks of me. Okay, it's a testimony of righteous. The water testifies that Jesus did everything he needed to do to be the son of God, to be the spotless lamb. Well, this is a huge testimony because if he's not the spotless lamb, then we don't really have a substitute. We don't really have a sacrifice, you see. But if he is the spotless lamb, then all of a sudden, now we've got somebody who qualifies to take your sin and, and my sin and get rid of it. So that's an awesome testimony, and when he went and he was baptized himself, he went and he became uh, uh, righteous in his acts, and he continued that righteousness. There was a testimony that he went through all righteousness. Well, then you have the blood, and that is a testimony to this, that he testified of the fullness of God's love I'm willing to go to this degree to prove the love of God for mankind all right you have a testimony of righteousness and you have a testimony of love in him and then you have this now all of these things are testifying that he is the Christ he is the one who will save you he's the one that if you put faith in him you are an overcomer through him and then it says you have the testimony of the spirit because inside of you even before you were born again the Holy Spirit was giving you a witness that Jesus is the one he is the Son of God. You have that testimony. And so you've got three testimonies, which are very important, because, you, which is very important because God says that if anything's going to be established, let it be established by two or three witnesses. So you have three witnesses that said, this is the Son of God. Now here's the other part about the baptism in the water. What happened when Jesus came up out of the water? The testimony of God was what? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Okay, so right there in that moment, he said, so I'm giving you some of the different opinions and different things. I think it means all of this. (laughs) I don't think it means just one, uh, that he was physically alive and died. Uh, I don't think that it just means uh, that he was baptized and he shed his blood. I think that it means that those two things and this, in the water, in the, in the baptism of water, where he, the testimony of the water, God the Father was there and said, This is my son. At the blood, in the death, God the Father was there because when Jesus died, what happened? You remember what the Roman centurion said while he was standing there at the cross and all of a sudden the sky turned black, the earth shook, the rocks broke in half, the the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom, people got out of their graves and came back. I mean, all of this stuff happened and the Roman centurion standing there said, Surely this was the son of God. So at the death of Christ, you also had the father saying this. This is my son. This is my son. And then by the Holy Spirit, you also have this. You have the father saying through the Holy Spirit to you, this is my son. This is my son. All right. Now, it says, for there are three that testify the spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Three, three witnesses, three testimonies. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, I'm going to come back to verse 7 and 8, but look at verse 9. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that he has testified concerning his son. You see how that links and ties together now? And then in the New Living, it says this, since we believe human testimony, in other words, if you tell me something, I'll believe that. Surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God, and God has testified about his son, okay? So now, that's do you see how all that works together and ties together there? And it kind of makes itself clear when you go through it that way. And you see at each point that God the Father was saying, This is my son. This is the one I want you to believe in. This is the one I was talking about. And when you believe on him, you're believing on everything. You're believing everything. All right. Now let's look at verse seven and eight because I I do want to talk about this. In it says in the new living it says this, and the King James says this as well. It says so we have these three witnesses. Now it looks like after verse six that it's talking about the water, the blood, and the spirit. Okay, but then the King James and the new living puts us in here, but. If they put it in here, which I like that they put it in here, but they put it in there in parentheses, and again, you know parentheses means it wasn't in the original text. So this is in parentheses. It says this. So we have these three witnesses now in parentheses in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And we have three witnesses on earth, the spirit the water and the blood and all three agree so the whole portion there about in heaven the father the word and the holy spirit and these three are one and and we have three witnesses on earth those three portion that are those uh, words in there here here's what happened they're in the king james and because of because the king james was translated by a manuscript by a translation that was a later date But when they started to find, like, the Dead Sea Scrolls and all of those, and they they found that those were dated closer to around 300 A.D., the King James was translated more along the lines of 1,000 A.D. But they said these words right here where it says, uh, for there are three that bear record, the in heaven, let me just point at it and the camera can see me, right here where it says, in heaven, and all uh, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one to hear, and then it says, and there are three that testify on the earth. Those words were not found in any manuscripts before the 14th century. So what it appears is that at some point, Somebody added those words in there. Now, they're not bad words, and I kind of like them, and the truth of the matter is we kind of know that this is true. Those three are one. We know that they are in heaven. The word is there, too. We know that the Holy Spirit is there, the Holy Ghost. We know that the Father is there, and in heaven, we know that this is true, okay? So this is not an untrue statement, but it's not in the original text and the original, the earliest manuscripts. So when it comes to teaching on those, And teaching that this is the word of God It's a question mark to us That this was actually breathed by God That's a question mark So is it true? I would say yes Was it a part of the original text? Mm, eh, Don't know Definitely a question mark. I can't say with an absolute authority, and nobody else that is alive that I know can say that as well. Nobody's answered that. But I think it no matter what, it's still good information. And I believe it is true because it it is true compared to the full counsel of the rest of the word. But I wanted to show that because there's a whole bunch of people that say, Well, they leave stuff out of the King James Bible. Yeah, they left stuff out of this translation that was in the King James well, that's because somebody, it appears, added it to it. That's what they're trying to give you the very best translation off of the original thing, and so that's, that's where it came from. So if you ever see that or face that, you at least have some knowledge of it. So let's go now to verse 9 again. It says, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for the testimony of God is this, that he has testified according to his Son. Verse 10 says, the one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. And what does that, that means that when you believe on the Son of God, did you not have a witness inside right away that God had entered you? You know, that God was a part of who you are. You, know, you have the testimony because now your spirit is made alive. It's connected and reconciled with God and the Holy Spirit in you is saying, you're my child. You're my son. So uh, the spirit was saying in the beginning, Jesus is the son of God and it continues to say that but then the Holy Spirit inside of you says, now you're mine too. Which is an awesome thing. Now he says, "The one who does not believe God has uh, believed God has made him talking about God a liar. The one who does not believe God, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning His Son." So in other words, the person that says, I don't believe in Jesus, I don't believe in God, and I don't believe all that, what he's saying is, God, you've given that testimony on the earth, you've given it in the, at, the, at the baptism, you gave the testimony. At the death, there was the testimony of the power of God. And now even the, the Holy Spirit inside myself saying that this is God, and even right now, you're, and you're saying, I don't believe that. And so what you're saying is, you're lying to me. And that's what this is. In New Living, it says this. All who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his Son. The message says, whoever believes in the Son of God inwardly confirms God's testimony. Now, that's a really interesting thing because there's a lot of people who are like, well, I'll believe in God when I feel it or when I see it or when everything. And and the truth of the matter is, it always takes faith. It its always going to take faith. Uh, and have you ever have you ever been talking to somebody that's not born again or they're not really grown up in God very much and they don't they don't know a bunch of stuff about God? And all of a sudden, and you're trying to explain to them, if you'll just believe this, it'll be awesome. You'll see. And it's hard to say that. Because they're not willing to see until they, they're not willing to believe until they see it with their eyes. But as soon as they do, they're, they're thinking, oh my gosh, if I'd only known this the whole time, if I, if I just would have believed from the beginning, this is so awesome. And so when people, I, I find it particularly that way in two different circumstances. Number one is when they get born again. So when they get born again, they're, they're like, oh, this is so great. Jesus loves me. He's awesome. I wish i'd known this my whole life you know and and then they want to go tell everybody which is awesome and but you got people that won't do that until they see it they're not willing to use faith the other time i see that is with the baptism of the holy spirit yeah if if people understood how great the baptism of the Holy spirit is they would they would i mean they would pay good money to have it i mean because it's awesome and and it but and all I can do is tell you that and give you the testimony of the word. But you have so many people that the devil's made afraid of it. And then all of a sudden, they're like, when when it does finally happen, they're like, what held me back from the goodness of God like this? You know, Deb, Deb had that testimony. Uh, yeah, that Deb right there here. Let's shine the light now. Um, <laughs> uh, she was like, what? <laughs> did, did you not have that testimony at first when we were first talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You didn't know about it. You would never been taught about that stuff. And you were like, you were scared. You were afraid of it. And you, she was like, mm, I don't know about that, Pastor. I love you and all that. But I don't know about this, you know. And then finally, there was she was convinced that the word was true. And she said, you know what? If this is God, I need to believe. It. And so you did that. When you got filled like that, you know, eventually, within like a week or so, I was asking her, "How's everything going?" She was like, "I wish I'd known about this forever ago. It was so awesome. I wish everybody knew about this." I said, "I know, I know, I know. That's why I was trying to tell you." So no, <laughs> and it was true. But but that testimony will help a lot of people, and it's not just that way in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it's that way with salvation as well. When we really engage God, all of a sudden the things of God are like. They're awesome. So, interesting. Whoever believes in the Son of God, the message in verse 10, whoever believes in the Son of God inwardly confirms God's testimony. So when you do believe, you're going to have the inward testimony, the inward witness that all this is true, and you'll see. And then you'll be just like everybody else going, if you just believe, you'll find out. You know. And uh, whoever refuses to believe, in effect, calls God a liar, refusing to believe God's own testimony regarding his son. Verse 11, and the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. So in other words, after you receive Christ and God witnesses to you, this is the testimony that comes through your spirit to you, that in God you have life. Now see, and and, and whoever doesn't have God, they don't have the life, which is why Christians want other people to be Christians so much, if you just believe me, you know. And and yet, at the same time, this is just it. So many times we've gotten up here and we've preached stuff we thought was true or we wanted to be true, but it didn't have the life of God on it, right? I mean, and religion has done this so well and are and, so not well i mean they've done a good job at being bad in this is they've preached what they thought was true or what they wanted to be true to kind of affirm their pet doctrine or whatever but it didn't have the life of god kind of like this you know god's the big mean old guy sitting on the throne ready to strike you down every time you do something wrong that's not who god is If that was true, he would have just said, oh, look, earth, all right? That would have been it. That would have been, and we'd have been done. That was really funny. I could see that right there. Bam. She said if I was Nicole, that would have been funny. No, that was funny just then. Y'all just didn't laugh. So either, either you weren't listening... No, all right, so if he was this big, bad, mean guy, he would have just zapped earth and we'd have been gone. But he wasn't. If he was this big, bad, mean guy, he would have taken that uh, woman that they threw in front that had sin in her life, and he just said, yeah, stoner. But he didn't. He said, even though I'm sinless, Jesus said, and I'm doing everything the Father wanted to do. Even though, even, you know, woman, we're your accusers well they're all gone and he said neither do I accuse you he had every right to accuse her every right but he but he said that's not what I'm going to do so what happens is this have you ever been sitting in a service you've heard some bad doctrine being preached and inside you're going and, and i thought god was love i thought i thought this was i thought he was it just, but they come up here and they, and they preach it and they preach it and they preach it and they preach it and you hear it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. This is the way God is. This is who God is. And before long, even though you had that witness inside of you that God is, the ones who are in God have life, on that one issue, it starts to reverse. And you start to believe on that way. That's why it's so important for us to first of all be in a church that's preaching the word and preaching the life. Preaching the life, preaching the love. Now, that doesn't mean that we get to go around and just do whatever we want. We've already covered that so many times. You don't get to do that. But if you find yourself and you have messed up, God loves you. And so then, if you're, I'll, I'm kind of walking you through what a believer will sometimes go through is they start out that all this life of God is so exciting, so awesome. He loves me. He loves you. Life is good, and then you start, and then you go to church, <laughs> one that's not. Preaching The fullness of the life of God or the fullness of salvation and you find out how bad God is and how many things you do this do this don't do this don't do this and and it takes you right back to the law or whatever and and that life that you had before it doesn't go away but it it definitely dims and then this person that wanted to tell everybody about God they they're they're not telling anybody about God that's where the majority of the church has been. We ought to be so excited about God because the experience that John's talking about is so real that we can't help that it's bubbling out of us because we're experiencing that life. And and in this process, you know, maybe a a preacher is preaching on something that's not preaching that life, and it's like I don't know this, is, but he's he's the preacher, he must know, so that's got to be true. Well, it doesn't have to be true, and it's what I'll tell people all the time. Don't just believe it because I said it. Go get in that Word. Seek your heart. Seek the Holy Spirit on it. Make sure that it lines up with the Word, because the Word's not going to disagree. Find that for yourself. I may say stuff wrong. Believe it or not, I do. But why? Because I'm a man, and i got flesh to contend and deal with, too. I don't like being wrong. I'm not trying to be wrong, and and I don't want to be wrong, But I can be because I got a flesh just like you. But just because I'm up here doesn't mean I got everything right. Never does. Never had. Never will. Never will. All right? But Jesus did. God did. The Holy Spirit did. And so then all of a sudden that same Christian whose light is kind of dim steps into an area and they start talking about the life and the love of God. And all of a sudden, at first, this taught religion tries to step up again and go, oh, that's not true because I remember back when Pastor such and such told me this and and he was a man of God. I mean, I grew so much in my knowledge under him and you can grow in knowledge. But that doesn't mean they're preaching the right stuff. It might not be knowledge based on the right things. It might not be knowledge based on life and love of God. It might be knowledge based off of other knowledge that was wrong because he might have learned it from somebody else and you don't know who that is and they might be all messed up. They might not even been born again. So just because they quote scriptures, you know, at you about why they should tell jokes or stuff like that does not mean you should listen to them. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know where that came from. So anyway, so just because... Seriously though, I I was joking. But seriously, just because they quote scriptures, that doesn't mean anything. The devil quoted scriptures pretty convincingly. So just because they quote scriptures and they know a bunch of scriptures, that doesn't mean anything. Here's Here's the key. God is love. And in him, he's light. And in him there is no darkness at all. He gave us the testimony of what he really wants to do. He wants to give you life, and life in abundance, life in the overflow. And he wants you to accept that fact of his love as a child. Now those two things, that God is love and accepting his love as a child, will lead you to the right doctrine. And if you find that preaching leads you off of those two things, well, don't believe that. Just believe my word for it. Well, um, time out. No, <laughs> time back in. Go away. <laughs> that that's a good response to that. Don't you? Know, you need to see it in the Word. You need to have the Holy Spirit witnessing to you about that so then the same person they start stepping under somebody that is preaching life and preaching love here's what happens their spirit their their mind goes no that's not right because old pastor such and such told me it was this way but their spirit goes bing 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 yes yeah i want that you know that's what their spirit's doing and so now they've got this conflict inside of them between their mind and their spirit or be, between what they've learned in the flesh and what they've learned in the spirit. And their spirit's going, yes, give me more of that. Give me that life. Give me that love. That's what I want. That's what, that's what Jesus died for. That's what he arose for was so that we could follow him into that kind of life. That's what your spirit's doing. And so then that person has a decision to make. Am I going to step to the knowledge learned in the flesh? Or am I going to step into the life and love of God that the Holy Spirit's? And I find a whole bunch of people that come here, are sitting right here on this fence, trying to decide which one's right and which one's wrong. Well, I just don't know about that, Brian. And they can't argue the scriptures that I'm giving them, but what they're having is they're having this inner turmoil between their mind and their spirit. And that's where you go to the word and it says the word divides that. It's, it, it splits it apart and shows you what's in the mind and what's in the spirit, what's real and what's not. And so as they are making the word a priority, they're able to say light bulb, and step over into what God's calling them into. And then all of a sudden now, they're renewing their mind to the things of the spirit, and their mind and spirit can be in the same place. Their flesh never will be in the same place, but their mind can be renewed and get into the same place by the renewing of the washing of the water of the word. Okay, So when it says, did you get something out of that example? How many people have been there besides me in that place? Yeah, absolutely. So it says this, and the testimony is this. The testimony that's going to be from God, that's always going to be you in you as a Christian, is that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. So verse 11 in the message says, this is the testimony in essence. God gave us eternal life. The life is in his son. So whoever has the son has life, and whoever rejects the son rejects life. And we don't want to be found there. Okay. Verse 13 says, these things I have written to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life I 've written these things so that you'll know what that testimony feels like. you'll know that hey god's word's true. you'll know hey, I'm born again and and you can look back through all first John and and sort of put it into this. If you'll look at these things and look at the the fruit and the witnesses of that, you will have this testimony that hey, I'm I'm one of God's children. I have a witness inside of me that's speaking to me about the life of God. You know, I had um, I had a um, somebody. I've, I've talked about this uh, several times before, but I led somebody to the Lord, and uh, it was this young lady. And so I talked to her a few months later, and she said, "I said, how are you doing? You know," and and she said well, I'm doing all right. I said, what do you mean? I said, how's it going with God? She said, she says, well, she said, I just feel awful about all these things that I'm doing. And I said, you feel awful about it? And I said, what things are you talking about? She said, "What well, stuff I've done for, all, for a long time. You know, I've been doing these things for a long time, but now when I do them, I feel bad about them. Well, I was like, well, that's actually worthy of praise. You know why? Because what's happening is you got the two sides of you. Now, You before, you had no spirit of life that was helping you find the way of life. Now that spirit inside of you is showing you this is right, this is wrong. And so the spirit's trying to help you get on the path of life. I said, you're really born again. Praise God. This is the Holy Spirit trying to help you. Oh. Well, I didn't realize that. I said, amen. I said, now you do. I said, just when you come up to that point, forget all that stuff you've done behind you. Ask God to forgive you. Ask him to, to release you. And the word already promises you he will ask him to forgive you, repent, which means in other words, if you were heading down that path towards sin, turn around, don't, don't head down that path anymore and start going that way and all that the bad feelings will go away and what you'll find is you will start living in life, in the fullness of life. The testimony that's inside you is the Holy Spirit trying to help you get on that place and stay on that place. Amen? In the message it says my purpose in writing is simply this that you who believe in God's son will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life the reality and not the illusion see the reality a lot of people have think they have life when they have plenty of money in the bank or they have the lake house or the cars or whatever and the reality the that's the illusion the reality is not found in that at all That's the counterfeit from the counterfeiter, known as the devil. And he'll try to show you that everything's going to be all right if you'll just work more, get more money, or find the perfect husband or wife, or have kids, or then if that doesn't work, have grandkids. And it's always something else that you're striving toward, pulling you away from a fellowship with God. If we'll just go after the fellowship with God, we'll get all that stuff. And we don't have to work for it; it's just a matter of being obedient in God, and he'll provide that it's 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 not something we have to even think about anymore it just happens it just happens As a matter of fact let- uh, let me just take a a small break right here, and I know um you do you want to share your testimony? can you huh you can. I can't well, that's okay. That means it's real. Here, just you share, but you don't have to look okay. at the camera.
1: Um, was it two last week? Last week, I got a call from a former employer um, wanting me to come back and offered me what, in our household, a lot more than what I was making before. Right. And uh, definitely started thinking about it, started to consider it. I called Nicole because I was more stressing about the decision than I was enjoying my decision and uh, she pretty much helped me lay it all out like happiness wise stress level at the house kind of laid everything out and um, she told me just go talk to my current manager She said just go talk to him just lay it all out just be honest be open and just kind of see what what works and um He's not able to meet exactly what I was being offered, but he did come close, and he's going to help me also with a lot of the debt that I had had. Amen. He's going to roll it all in to help me get everything straightened out. So,
0: Praise God. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to bowl this down and apply it to the scripture. What I, if that it has a channel on it? Put it on channel three. Oh, okay. All right. So, all right. So this says. That uh, that you will have the reality of life and not the illusion. Now, y'all been coming for a little while. You've been going after God. And I know that at times as you've been coming into this, that the flesh has tried to rise up on you. But you've made it a point, by God, I'm going to keep going, Right? I may have messed up, I may have made some bad decisions, but I'm going to keep going. Now, in that process, I think you got a job in the process. You got a new job that's been very much of a blessing to you. Um, And when you got the new job, was it a race? Or was it pretty equal? Okay. The atmosphere was much more enjoyable to you. So a raise in the joy and happiness level in that. The, the money was about the same. So, but that was an increase simply because of the atmosphere there. All right, so now here's the other thing. Now you didn't do anything but keep going after God, right? That's all you did. Were you out trying to find how to do more of this stuff? Were you out seeking it down and going out? Now, in just a few months, you just kept going after God. Now, your atmosphere's better. And basically, after this whole situation, your pay is better too. Yeah. So you weren't chasing after that stuff. You just decided, we're going to go after God because we know we need to. Yeah. Yeah. And in the process, God's looking after your stuff. That's the way it works. You don't have to be worried about that anymore. You just have to go after God. This the same stuff here. Same stuff here. Same stuff here. Same stuff with us. You see, as when you start going after God, see, what we generally have done is going over here with the stuff in the world and we're like running in circles, sweating, toiling, scratching, trying to earn a living, working all our lives, burning ourselves up for all this stuff. And yet, if we'll just start making decisions for God and going after him, and we just walk down this path, running the race with him, and it's easy and light, his yoke is easy, his burden is light, and all that stuff just happens. It The word says it like this, the blessings of God will over. Overtake you they'll overtake you I'm not sweating I'm not striving I'm not toiling for them anymore it's just the way it is that's the plan of God and it always has been because it's life it's, it's the reality not the illusion this is the illusion smoke and mirrors from the devil this is the reality Verse 14, this is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. Do you realize what that says? That says when we walk in this reality with him, how many people, every time you ask god for something you get it just like that how many people how many people have ever had that where you've asked the lord for something and essentially you got it just like that how many people have ever had that before very few maybe yep that's good okay all right now i don't want to discourage you but does that not looking at this scripture right here does that not show us that maybe our idea and our thinking of who we are in christ might be off our idea and thinking that the life is in us and we already have the life may be off in other words we're living and we're experiencing god now how many people have you felt god really literally touch you Watch. Everybody, right? Okay. But this is saying when you are in this place and you understand the life of God in you and you ask God, he hears you and you'll have the things that you ask him for. Now, one thing is you're not asking them for you know, frivolous stuff. You're asking for the will of God. But when you ask, you get it. Yeah. You know it. Why? Because the fellowship and the relationship is so real to you, you don't have a question about whether or not it's coming there's no question it will be that should be an indicator to us as to how real are we living in the illusion of Christianity all right not just the world but the illusion of a good life in Christianity are we living in a reality All right, so most people said they've felt God, they've had God move in their life, but most people did not say that when I prayed for something, I had it right then, all right? Most people didn't have that testimony. Well, that tells us that we've got some ground to uh, move in from that place to the place where this becomes a reality. And when we know God like this, the more we meditate on this is who God is, this is who I am in him, this is what he has for me, the more that I know that and I throw away that old thinking and step into the new thinking, that becomes the reality. That becomes the everyday life. Now let me ask you this question. If all of a sudden every prayer that you ask God for, right, every one that you ask God for started coming true, how excited are you going to get? Let me ask that again. If everything that you ask God for starts coming true, how excited are you going to get? Very much so. Let me ask this question. You start to get that kind of excited about God, how hard is it going to be for you to tell other people about God? Do we see now why the church isn't growing? Because most people are not experiencing that kind of reality of God. Most people are not; they're not living in that. And then they're, you know, then preachers up there wondering why. I wonder why people aren't witnessing and telling other people about Jesus because they're not experiencing it. They're not living it. It's not real. And a lot of it comes back to what you were preaching, because you weren't preaching the life and the reality of a fellowship with God. You see the reset link in here for those of you that watched reset. You. You have to have that open, ongoing, constant fellowship with God. It's It's a key. It's so important. Now, this is very interesting in verse 16. We're almost done and we'll be done with the chapter. In verse 16, it says this. It says, and we need more of this in the church. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will For him, give life to those who commit sin, not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make requests for this. In the New Living, it says this. If you see a Christian brother or sister sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray. And God, listen to this promise, God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death, and I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it. Now, here's the thing. What happens when we see, generally, somebody sinning? What This is the response that God wants us to have, and yet, what is the reality of what's been happening in most situations? Did you know what brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so did? I mean... I'm not trying to gossip, but I want to keep you all aware of the situation. Which is a bunch of junk. I mean, it's important for leadership to know who's moving in the Spirit and who's not. So that there's room for that. But overall, it's gossip. And we're talking about them. And what the Word says is, pray for them to have life. Let's read what it exactly says. He, the person who finds out about it, shall ask, and God will give life to those who are committing that sin that's not leading to death. So when you see somebody that's messing up, you ought to say, Lord, I just, I ask you in Jesus' name that they would receive life and that life is the love of God and as they receive that love of God, it will empower them to step out of that sin. Instead of sitting there spinning in circles, life be. Because if, if they're in Christ, they have life in them, they just need for, to let the life rise up in them. That's it. They just need to back off and say, Lord, I, I, need your, I need your mercy, I need your grace, I need the life of God that's already in me to rise up in me. I need it. And we should be praying that way. And whoever you're thinking about right now, which is probably that person you know, that's been in sin, just right now, let's stop and let's, let's pray. Uh, you think about that person as we're praying and just, just agree with me. Lord, we just ask that they would have life and we thank you that life springs up in them right now. Now, we need more of that. We need more of that and less talking about it. We need we need a lot more of that. Now, talking about the sin leading to death and not leading to death, um, verse 17 says, All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who was born of God uh Born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him so what that's saying is this is somebody that's in in God and born of god uh God is keeping them as long as they're not uh committing the sin that leads to death they are they God is keeping them in other words, when they do sin it's already covered it's already paid for. Okay. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, and I will say that this is a very controversial subject. What is the sin leading to death? You could also ask this question. What is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Because it's the same thing in my opinion. Uh, what is? Am I going to hell when I sin after I get born again? Well, if that was the case, we all going to hell because everybody has. I, I, I don't know anybody that has not. So my, the question is this. Basically, do you think God would be so cruel and unmerciful that he would let everybody say, oh, I'm born again, then they commit a sin afterwards, and he would let them go to hell? Now, go back to doctrine. Let's go back to doctrine. What is God? God's love, and I received that as a child. So as a child, my heart's saying, that ain't love because basically that's giving a gift and taking it back in essence. Oh, here's born here here you are born again, but you're <laughs> you're never going to keep it. You're going to sin afterwards, so I'm just going to take it back. Well, that's a cruel, that's cruel and unusual punishment for that. It would a loving God be that way? Nope. And God is love, so that's not what it is because He's merciful. He says his mercies are new every morning. He says all my promises are yes and amen. So that's not God. We know that. We know that from the counsel of the word. All right. So here's the thing. Uh, most people that would ask that question, all right, if you're not born again and there's a sin leading to spiritual death, right, then you're going to be sinning in this way to a place where fellowship between you and God is broken. Okay. Okay. Now, most people think that if they uh, there's a scripture that talks about sinning willfully after they've received, right? And and after they've received Christ, sinning willfully. Well, that goes back to this question. can, is God going to give it and then take it away? Is that a loving God? No. So the majority of those things, that's not they're going to fall out of that sinning willfully. The sin that leads to death is simply this. How If you uh, entered into something, if you walked in through a door into a building, how would you get out? You would walk back through the door and back to the outside, right? Well, how did you walk into God? You walked in through a door. Who was the door's name? Jesus. Jesus. And if you walked back out that door, in other words, I accept you, Jesus, and you walk back out that door by rejecting him, that would be the sin. And that's where it says, if you sin after that and you go outside, there's not another sacrifice for you after that. There's nothing there for you. Spiritually, you're dead. You're done because you rejected what you knew. You partook of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sealed you and you made up your mind that I'm breaking that seal of the Holy Spirit and I am rejecting you. I'm blaspheming what you have done in my life through Christ and what Holy Spirit you've sealed. By my own decision, I'm breaking that seal and stepping back out. Now, if you're doing that in your heart, in your mind, in your words, same way you, you went in, you got to come out. So you're confessing it and believing it with your heart and you step out of Jesus, there's no more sacrifice left, and you are spiritually dead at that moment. Now, here's a question. I hope this is making sense to you, and if you've got questions, I'll be happy to answer some. I'm giving you the very short kind of version of it, but I want you to understand it at least even in the short, short place. So here's the, here's the other part of that. Most people come up and ask me that question. Uh, did, I, did I commit blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Did I commit the sin that leads to death? Now let's say that you stepped out of that room and you're no longer in Christ. We know the word says that you only love because you are loved, right? You only love because you know love. When you step outside of that room, are you going to know love any longer? So what is there going to be love left in this person that steps outside of Christ? There won't be any. So here's the question. Will a person that has zero love, look at it this way. How much does an unbeliever care about your righteousness? They don't. How much do they care whether or not they're transgressing God's law or not? They don't. Why? Because they have no love in them. They can't love until they know love. Well, when they step back out, they're not going to want to love either. And so here's the issue. Generally, when people come and they say, did I do that? And and it's kind of like the mere fact that you're asking that question proves to me you didn't. Because if you stepped outside of Christ, you wouldn't care. You'd be sitting there going, I don't care if I did or not you see now and this is it has to be a lot of people are concerned because you know one night I was drunk and I got mad at God and I said this look it's not because you were out of your mind it's just like you wouldn't get mad at somebody if they were sick and their mind wasn't going right and and they did something stupid right that that's a sickness that's a bondage that they're under as well you know, you're not going to say that that person was in their right mind making all you know all of their spiritual decisions. You know, it, would we give much precedent to it for the guy who was completely drunk one night at a party and he goes, "Hey, uh, I want Jesus," and next morning he wakes up and nothing's changed. Just but during the party he said that we would we'd be like, "You didn't accept Jesus last night, dude. You need to go back to church." No, um, but. But the same thing, if somebody's not in their right mind, let's say that they're in a mental hospital, let's say that they have that, let's say that they were drunk and partying out one night and they do that, are they in the right mind to make a full decision and belief, confession with their mouth, belief with their heart, like they did to go in the door? No. That's a sickness. It's the same thing, and I'll I'll just throw this out there, Um, same thing with people that commit suicide. In that moment, you know, that's not a sin. A lot of people are like, oh, they're going to hell. Uh, you, you might want to check your doctrine on that stuff, you know, just to give you an idea. They, you might want to check your doctrine on that stuff. And what they're doing is they don't understand that next verse that says when they're in God, they're kept. But when if their mind's messed up and they're in sickness and they're in bondage, they're making some crazy decision like that, that's covered under, they're sealed by the Holy Spirit covered under the price that Jesus paid if they had accepted Christ. They just got off track. They got deceived. They got messed up. But if somebody comes back and they say, look, I know what I'm doing. I'm stepping out that door. I don't want you anymore, Jesus. If they're if they're saying that, and it's a real decision, real confession, belief with their heart, and they step outside of the house of God, step outside of Jesus, there's no coming back in. And what God's saying is, if they're sinning in any way that's not that sin, pray for life for them. Don't pray life for the person that's willfully stepped outside of that, that's willfully said, I don't want any But that person who's wondering that and who's thinking that, let me just set you free. The fact that you're wondering and thinking, did I commit that? Did I, did I do that? Or I don't want to do this anymore. That's like proof positive that the Holy Spirit's still in you and working in you. That's that's where the struggle's coming. is not from the Holy Spirit, but from the flesh that's pulling against the Holy Spirit in you. Amen? Does that make sense? And if you got questions, you can talk to me about it later. But I don't think I've ever covered that in teaching, but it's good to. So... And I'll read these 17 and 18. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. Verse 19, we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That's quite a statement. We need to understand that. We need to understand the world that we're in. But now that we know that we're in God, we know that we're of God. Uh, In verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is is the true God and eternal life. Verse 19 says this, uh, We know that we are in the new living. We know that we are the children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. It's very important to understand and recognize that. And it still is. This is John talking way after Christ is gone, you know, And and Jesus said all power and authority is given to me and then he gave it back to believers. But we need to understand that the world is still run and under the control of the devil. Why? Because you got people that aren't Christians that are running the majority of things and you got them paying attention to the flesh and not the spirit. So to think that there is going to be no attacks, no uh, persecution, you know, no temptation, you're fooling yourself and you're not even paying attention to your own flesh. And the last verse, verse 21, Little, I, I love this. It's like all this other stuff. And then this last verse is like, little children, guard yourself from idols. Period. End of book. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> nice talking to you. So, no, And then he says in, verse, in the New Living, it, I, I'll put it like this. I like this in the New Living. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. You know the world's under the control of the devil. We're in God. Keep away from anything that might come between you and God. A reference back to Reset again, you see. Keep away. The message, dear children, be on guard against all clever facsimiles. Let's see how this all ties together. Be on guard for all clever counterfeits. Be on guard for anything that's a counterfeit and not the reality. Be on guard for this. What was the word? Be on guard for the illusion of life, for the illusions of the world, getting caught up and you'll have fun in this and and it'll be awesome and everything. Be on guard against this. Make sure, you know, know the schemes of the enemy. Be on guard for this, the illusion and not the reality of God's life. He has a reality of life for every single person, born again or not. There's a reality of life that God wants you to have, but it takes us saying, okay, growing in him, renewing our mind, and walking the path, running the race that God has for us, not falling for the illusions of plans that the world has, that the devil has, that your flesh has. But the great news is there's a life And it's real life. And it is overflowing. And it's awesome. And it's waiting on you simply to step into it. Amen? Amen. Now, if anybody needs prayer and they just want to say, you know what? I want us to agree together. I need some of that life right now. Let's just come up here real quick and let's pray. Nobody wants life. Amen. Amen. Anybody else, just come on up. Um, Jeff, will you come here and hold this for me? You you shocked me. (laughs) That's all right. That's life. Power. (laughs) Lord, we just thank you for your life. Life of God be in Jesus' name. Anointing of God and fullness of your life, Christ, be in Jeff, in Jesus' name. Life be. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Metu tu betandroficand bosch, Bontrofricandabo, Yatisandra lovian talcora, Harocoret and filotoni, Mehunco pista, mon propatata di, let costumba debi. Life of God be in Jesus' name in every way and everything, overflowing into all parts of your life, every area, every. I, I just see. Um, I see the areas of your life as buckets, as buckets surrounding you. And life of God overflowing you and into every area of your life. In Jesus' name, life of God be. Amen. 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 Anybody else? Give one more, about ten more seconds. Anybody else? Father, we just thank you for life. Amen. Life of God be in Jesus' name. Life of God be. Father, we just thank you for life. Life be in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you that your life is rising up right now. Your love is rising up right now and the reality of your love, it breaks the yoke. Your anointing breaks every yoke. In Jesus' name, life be. Father, thank you for your word. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, it says this. It says the Father gave this gave this testimony basically through Jesus that he is not holding anything against you. He's not holding any of your sins against you. And that counts for right now just like any other time. He's not holding it against you because he loves you that much. While we were messing up, he's not holding it against you. What he wants, he just wants life to rise up in you. I just Just say this with me. Just say, Father, I receive your life, and I have it now. I receive your forgiveness, and I have it now. I receive your love, and I have it now. I receive your peace, and I have it now. Amen. Father, I just thank you. Let every yoke be broken and let life rise up. And I thank you for it. Thank you for life rising up. In Jesus' name. Now, I want you to to just stand here for a second. And you just, just you and God. And let him pour all of that life in you, okay? All right. Because he's doing it now. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Lord, we just thank you for your life. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your promises. And we thank you that you are so real to us. Life of God, be in everybody that's hearing this. I just just pray for the person watching right now that's saying, I wish I was there. I wish I was getting prayed for. God heard you. (laughs) And he's saying this. I love you. I've always loved you, and I'm not holding your sin against you. I see the hole that you dug. I see the problems that you have, and I've already come up with a solution. His name is Jesus, and he's bringing life to you right now. And just receive that life, life of God, be in them in Jesus' name. And just say this, say, say, I believe and I receive Jesus as my life. In Jesus' name, I have it. I have Jesus. I have life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Thank you all for being here. It's an awesome night.